is a restoration happening in the earth. There is a restoration, and that's who Jesus is. And he raises up his people, and he raises up his church in the times of great need. And um, as I was preparing this morning, we're going to have a look at where are we as the church in the now? What is actually God doing in the now in relation to the spiritual shift? Pastor Peter mentioned it, that there's already a shift. God has already shifted his spiritual climate over our nation and over the globe. And that God is about to, re- about to reveal and he's about to release and orchestrate the plans and the destiny and his purposes that he has for us as a church and as individuals. You know, and as we live for God, he's got purpose, he's got direction, he has a mandate, he has a mission for us. So the word is living and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, it says in Hebrews chapter 4. And it's able to discern and it's able to know and to decipher the things of the spirit and the things of man and the things of our heart and our lives, our thoughts and our intentions and the the intentions of our heart. And there is no creation or creator's creation, or, cre- or creation that he's made, or creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and all things are open before God. Amen? Isn't it great? And we have to give our account to God for our lives and how we've lived it and um, live it in for him. So what is happening in the now? There's already been a shift There's been a shift in the heart of many churches. There's been a shift in the heart of leadership. There's been a shift in the heart of people and his church. And we're seeing it throughout the globe. You know, people are just beginning to move into a new era of evangelism. There are churches over the globe which are beginning to move into the place of waiting and seeking and taking time out to give him more time to hear his voice and to know what he wants of us. And as we see this major shift, it's a shift that God is orchestrating and he's beginning to bring leadership and pastors and and churches in a place of renewing. It's a renewing, it's a refreshing It's a new beginning, it's a realignment, it's a rearranging, it's no longer governed by man's agenda. Yes, we have to do the works, but there's something bigger than that. It goes outside and beyond what we can do. And we know that no man can put their hand on the glory of God. God is the orchestrator of the great things and the greater things that is going to birth in the heart of the earth, in nations and in the globe. Amen. No one can take the glory. The days of the of us trying to, you know, um, make it happen is over because the needs are going to be greater 
because the rise of the darkness is going to be darker and God is the only one that's going to orchestrate the spirit of deliverance, the spirit of healing, the spirit of restoration, the spirit of salvation that is going to begin to outwork. Have you ever thought of that, oh my gosh, there's just somebody I don't know, I can never reach him or they're just out of my reach to come to Jesus. But no one is out of God's reach, amen? Isn't that exciting that he's able to go over and above and beyond, which he's already done for us by giving his son Jesus. And so this realignment, this rearranging and this changing and this shift has already started. And I begin to seek God about this this shift that's already taken place and, and it's the restoration of God orchestrating his church. It's the restoration of God operating, coming in the fullness of the Godhead. There is a shift. It's bringing the church back to its true identity of who we were meant to be. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. It talks about the fullness of the Godhead. And I believe and I've seen it that as... as um, as we see across the nation that God is renewing and refreshing his pastors and his leaders and, and the apostolic and the fullness of, of the God had coming through the fivefold ministry, the apostolic, the prophetic, the pastors, the teachers and the evangelists, just not about the ones up the front. You know, the thing about God orchestrating this shift in what he's going to do in the earth, it's about everybody. Amen. It's about you. It's about me. It's about us as the body, that the body cannot function without or without you. <laughs> you know, we can have the leaders up the front, but the fullness of the function of the church depends on you and me. It depends on those that are leading as well as those that are sitting right now in your seat. (laughs) God has got something for you. He's got something significant. You're not here because of, of coincidence or someone's invited you. I believe there's a bigger picture, you know, that God has something for all of us. Finding our place, realigning our life. Asking the Spirit of God to renew us, to refresh us, to restore us and to heal us. Hallelujah. And to bring us into a place of knowing our true identity. You know, and our, our identity is in him. And as he brings the church into a place of operating in the fullness of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit... And in Colossians, let's turn to Colossians if we can. Colossians chapter 2 verses 8 to 9. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the word, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Amen? The Father, 
our Saviour, Jesus, Holy Spirit, our Comforter, our Guide, our Counselor, as we begin to increase our relationship and our intimacy with the Holy Spirit. He is the one that enables us. He is the one that increases and gives us ability to outwork and to perform and to do everything that he's asking us to do. The church has been operating out of the Godhead. He's my father. He's my creator. If we've been operating out of Jesus, Jesus, my best friend, Jesus, my savior. But there has been the lack. There's been the lack of the operation and the orchestration of the Holy Spirit outworking in our lives, the signs and the wonders and the miracles. And as we begin to increase our intimacy with the Holy Spirit, as we begin to get to know who he is, he is, the, he is a person. He has character. He has nature. He's part of the Godhead. The fullness of the Godhead needs to be operating and needs to increase within our lives so that I'd come back to the place of the fullness of the identity of us as a church, that we as a church are operating out of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, the same spirit that dwells in Pastor Peter to lay hands upon the sick dwells in you. You have the same spirit, the same anointing that's able to break changes, change around people's lives, that's able to release healing and deliverance into the heart of the people that God brings into your life. You have that same spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to be operating in and through our lives. The fullness of the God God is restoring the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is something already beginning to move across the land, to move across the nation. God is going to raise up people that we are have given up on. God is going to move up into dark places that we think that he can't change. He can do the impossible. Amen. As we come into that place, we see that there's been a neglect of the Holy Spirit. We have seen that the voice of the Spirit and the voice of the prophetic has been restricted and sometimes ignored. But the Bible tells us in Revelation that Jesus is the Spirit of prophecy. There needs to be the rise of the voice of the prophetic. That spirit is in you to begin to seek him and to hear his voice and to know what he is saying. As we stand here this morning in the city of Toowoomba, we begin to speak in, in our time of prayer. And as we walk in the city or just being out amongst people, we have to understand our true identity and to know that the Spirit lives in us. And as we speak the words, we know the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the Word. And as we begin to prophesy, you know, I get up and I prophesy. I begin to prophesy over my community. I begin to say, 
today. Lord, I thank you for the rise of the voice of the Spirit of God in our land. I thank you for healing and deliverance upon the communities around our nation. Father, I thank you that you're able to bring down the hard and the difficult places. I thank you, God, that you shine a light upon the lives of the people that are given up, upon the lives of men that have failed and think they don't have a future. Lord, upon the lives of women in domestic violence, those that have lost their way. Father, I thank you for the rise of your spirit, that you're going to reveal yourself to them, that you're going to bring them across my path, that you're going to raise up your church to be a voice. So as we begin to prophesy the spirit of the living God, he moves on your behalf. He is moving because of your prayers. He is moving because of your voice. You are opening up your voice. Amen. You know, when we come to church, yes, we come to receive, but above all, we should be coming to give and to shout and to give glory to Jesus. Make a noise and lift up his name. Clap and shout to Jesus for what he's going to do. Amen. And as we continue to believe for the rise of the spirit of God in our land, watch what he's going to do. Amen. Hallelujah. God's bringing the church back to a place of fullness. He's bringing the church back to a place that she's operating not out of a half of the Godhead, but operating out of the fullness of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. He speaks to all of us. He's waiting for us to listen. He's waiting for us to take time out and to just continue to listen to what he's got to say, to take time out of our busy lives, to take the time to sit and be alone, to increase that intimacy with the living God. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. And so this is the first thing of what God has already started. And over the last couple of weeks as I've been just seeking him, he woke me up very early one hour in the morning and I just begin to hear the sound of the wind. And I'm thinking, what's going on? Where's this coming from? But it was the sound of the wind. And this song came to me. And it was an old song from way back. And I can remember my mum getting up early hours of the morning and singing this song and thinking, oh, my gosh, here she goes again. <laughs> you know, and... Um, and, um, you know, and this song just kept coming to me and it wouldn't leave me. And it was about the wind, the wind of the spirit. She's blowing again. The wind of the spirit, she's moving again. And so the wind of the spirit has already shifted a spiritual climate over our nation. I'm telling, I find it easy to talk to Jesus about people. I find people just at the shopping centre coming up, start talking to me, telling me about their problems and about their aches and their pains. <laughs> and when I say, hey, do you believe in God? I believe in the power of prayer. I remember one day I was sitting with a friend down at a cafe. And this lady just walked by and she sort of stops right in front of our table and looking at me. And then she just started talking about all her aches and pains. Anyone who said, oh, honey just give me your hand. And I took a hand, said, my name's Ada and I believe in the power of prayer. Do you believe in God? I just prayed there for her, you know. So people are open. 
I'm seeing a more openness about God than I've ever have seen before. I've seen with some young people that they know that they're just sick of the state of their lives. They're just sick of the things that are going on in the world. You know, there's a hunger for God that I've never seen before. So the climate, the spiritual climate has already shifted. It's already changed. God is already just um, bringing people to a place and they don't even realise that it's God that they need. But they know they're missing something. You know, the world is beginning to be hungry. The world is beginning to be just so in need of something. And that's what I've found in this wind of the Spirit. You know, the wind of the Spirit of God, it's the breath. The breath and the blowing and the breathing of the Spirit of God over our land and our nation, the great south land of the Holy Spirit, Australia, the Pacific and the globe is beginning to beginning to hear the sound of the Spirit. So the first thing that's happening is this major shift that God is doing in his church that the wind of the Spirit is beginning to blow upon this church. He's beginning to breathe upon us. He's beginning to bring us back to the fullness and to be operating out of the fullness of the things of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The scripture in Joel 3, chapter um, verses 13 to 14, it says, Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Joel 3, 13 to 14, put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be ashamed of identifying in being a Christian. You know, and and, and it's not easy, is it, sometimes, to be open and just to be real and to say, look, I'm a Christian or I believe in God. You know, but if you hunger and you get into the intimate place, God changes us, he rearranges our hearts and he gives us a love for people, doesn't he? And then he gives us this boldness to be able to step out and say, hey, I'm not ashamed of being a Christian. So God is renewing the church, he's realigning us, bringing us back to the fullness of the Godhead as we begin to step up and to take and to understand that our identity is in God. He created us. He breathed his spirit in us. He breathed his spirit even at the foundation of the beginning and the creation of man. He breathed his spirit into the dust that he formed and the man became a living being. You know, and people are so empty and so alone because they don't realize that they are a spiritual being, you know, and that the Spirit of God lives within us. Their emptiness, their loneliness, and everything about them is because they don't understand that they are a spiritual being. We are a natural man. God created us out of dust, but then he breathed his Spirit in us, and we become alive because of the Spirit. Amen. I'm alive today. (laughs) I'm happy to be alive. Amen. It's because of the Spirit. I don't have to go out and fill my life up with things. He gives me the life of the Spirit. And it's the life of the Spirit that He's beginning to restore. He's beginning to renew. 
He's beginning to bring the church back to the very foundation in her true identity. Amen? True identity is in God because he created us. And he is preparing and he's already started the shift. So the church has entered into a season and it's a time of advancement and increase. And the kingdom of God is advancing in the heart of the earth, in the heart of the nation, in the heart of the globe. We know that at the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people came to Jesus in one day. The kingdom was baptized. The kingdom of God was birthed. The kingdom of God was birthed into the earth as the disciples of 120 were waiting in the upper room. There was the breath. There was the wind of the Spirit blowing upon them as the wind of the Spirit enabled them to be prepared for what is up ahead. And I believe in this church in this time and this season that there is a spirit and an increase of the spirit of endurance. God gave me this word, endurance. It's an endurance that is going to birth within the heart of your church. It's a spirit of endurance to keep on running the race. It's a really interesting word. And and I believe that as the Holy Ghost, um, you know, came upon the 120, it gave them an ability. It gave them an ability to go beyond their strength. It gave them an ability to go beyond their wisdom. It gave them ability to go beyond the natural and that they were operating out of a supernatural dimension. They needed endurance because God had to get get them ready for what was up ahead. The word endurance is an interesting word as, as it began to speak to me about the word endurance. The word endurance is, um, we can find it in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let's have a look at it. This word endurance for the things that God is doing in the now, as he's realigning realigning the church, as he's um, moving upon the church by the power of his spirit, we know that there is a greater purpose. Amen? And as um, we see it in the book of Acts, that the Spirit of God came upon the church to enable her, to give her a new ability, to give her a new capability, to get ready for the birthing of the church. Just in one day, 3,000 people were baptized. You know, so it is possible that a nation can shift and change in one day. And so this is what we've seen, you know, there at the day of Pentecost, that God birthed his church and she and he enabled his church. He gave his church an ability to get ready for what was up ahead. And we know that in that time and the season was the greatest time of persecution for the church. Man, if you mention God some, some days in the government <laughs> or you mention some words, You'll get your head chopped off. <laughs> and even mention the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know, and so we are entering into a season and a time of persecution. We're not going to escape it. Hey, but the th- exciting thing is that there's this manifestation of the glory of God. 
in amongst it all. Isn't that great? And this is what happened to the early church. As God birthed that church, they entered into the, some of the times of persecution and trials and tribulations, but God gave them this spirit. And I believe that it's found in this word endurance, spirit of endurance, that regardless of the persecution, regardless of the trials and tribulation, regardless of what the enemy is going to do and expose himself and what he doesn't want the church to be doing, God is going to birth the church with a supernatural spirit of endurance that we are able to continue to stand in the times ahead and what's ahead of us. Amen? Isn't that good? We've got to be ready and prepared and God is preparing his church and he's getting us ready. He's beginning to increase the fullness of the Godhead by the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to give us this spirit of endurance to keep on running the race even though the world is getting darker. Amen? And as we see with the disciples as they came into this, um, this place of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, God was, gave them so that they could, he gave them the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that they could be ready for the, um, to endure the um, persecution and the trials and, and the tribulation. Amen. Still with me? So we're looking in Hebrews chapter 12 and we're looking at a particular word. We know that the shift has already happened in the heart of the church. The pastors and leaders are beginning to mobilize their church. People are beginning to go to the street. There's an increase of evangelism. There's an increase of beginning to move in the dimension and to come into the fullness of the Godhead with the Spirit of God, supernatural dimension of God to be outworking in and through the heart of the church. Amen. Hey, and that's you, not just the ones leading the church. It's everybody in the church. (laughs) It's every child of God that God is able to deliver and to heal and to save people through every single life here. Amen? Isn't that good? We all go through difficult times. I've been through a lot of difficult times. But I tell you, holding on to his word, holding on to Jesus, hey, he will give us the ability to keep on running the race. Amen? Amen? We can keep on running the race. And he wants to heal and restore and deliver us and bring the church into the fullness of the Godhead. In Hebrews chapter 12, we're talking about the word endure, endurance. The Hebrew and the Greek word means to stay or remain. It's an unusual word. It's got hoopomino. <laughs> Sounds like I've got a hoop over something. <laughs> but it means to fortify. It means to persevere. It means that you have an ability to go through suffering and come out still standing and come out being consistent and constant keep on living the way God wants us to do. 
It means to abide, to bear, to stand. It means steadfastness. And this is the ability of the Holy Spirit that he births a spirit of endurance in us so that we are able to stand and to be steadfast and immovable. Amen? Even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of testing, even in the midst of, hey, sometimes feeling like I want to give up. Who's been there? (laughs) And as you spend time with God and the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, he births within us this spirit of endurance to keep on standing, to keep on running. Isn't that great, Pastor Peter? Endurance, you've been through (laughs) many challenges, you know, many hurdles we've got to climb over, you know, but hey, we can fall on our face, but hey, he helps us and he lifts us up and his hands are under us. Isn't that great? The steps of a good man have been ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down because the Lord upholds him with his hands. Isn't that great? Underneath us are the everlasting hands of the Father. You know, and his spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives us the endurance to keep on running the race. I better get to Hebrews, eh? <laughs> How long have I got? <laughs> in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You'd think that you wouldn't have much joy if you know that you were going to die <laughs> in the next at a young age and that your life was going to be cut off at the age of 33. But here he's saying Jesus had a joy, that there was a joy inside of him. And the joy was there because, hey, he fulfilled the purpose of his father. He was obedient to the Father's will. There's joy in that. I tell you what, I've been a Christian since I was 14 and a half, and I tell you what, it's been the best life I've ever had. You know, I, I've had times of challenges. I've had hurdles I've had to overjump. I've had times when I've failed. I've had times where I've made mistakes. I've times where I fell on my face. But hey, When Jesus is with us, hey, there's something about the spirit that he places within us that is a spirit that never gives up. It's a spirit that gets back up. It's the spirit that helps us to keep on running. It's the spirit that enables us and gives us an ability to outwork God's will for our life. Amen? And so there's joy in it. And Jesus had great joy in going to the cross because of one, he obeyed the voice of his father and the will of his father. And the second one would because of you, like communion this morning, you know, Pastor Peter talking about communion, 
you know, and, and the thing that Jesus already done for us so that we could have a relationship restored back to the Father through the death of our beautiful friend and Savior, Jesus, amen, the Son of God. He had joy because he knew that out of his death that he was going to see the church advance in the life of people coming to the Father. Amen. Isn't that good? Give him a hand that we're here because of Jesus. Amen. In Hebrews he said, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Hallelujah. So we keep on getting up. So we keep on by the grace and God's mercy and his love for us to keep on running the race in the difficult times that are ahead. And as we hear, as we just looking at this word um, endurance, it brings us to a place of being steadfast. The Holy Spirit brills within us a resilience. The word means to put up with something trying or painful. Endure means that there, and it's implying, continuing to be firm and to be unwavering through trials, difficulties and persecution. Amen. You know, I think of I think it was poor old Peter, wasn't it? <laughs> One of the greatest apostles of all times. At the most difficult hour and the most difficult time, he denies Christ. He denies his friend. You know, so there are trying times. <laughs> There are times of persecution. And so the outpouring of the spirit that was up on the early church was to give them this spirit of endurance, to cause them to become steadfast, to cause them to become more than overcomer. They become conquerors, you know, and the church just advanced through the nations you know, we're here because of people that have gone before us. We're here because of the early church, that they never gave up, that they endured persecution. You know, they were, well, Stephen was stoned to death because of his faith. You know, the early church and those that have gone before us, we call them our, our elders or we call them our forefathers. We call them the people that have gone before us. People have paid a prize. I think of my family, you know, my parents, my elders, they paid a price and I'm here today because of that. You know, they never gave up. Believing in God, even in the difficult times when no one else in our community, indigenous community, whatever, wasn't living for God. My parents probably were the first ones. God manifested himself supernaturally 
to me in, in my bedroom at the age of 14 and a half. This is a supernatural dimension. God is orchestrating right now. It's going to begin to happen in the lives and the homes of people as the Spirit of God prepares us and begins to raise us up and to begin to bring out others into the kingdom of God. He will orchestrate it and he'll go beyond what we can do. Amen. And that's what he did with the early church. And that's what he's going to do with us now. He's renewing us, realigning us, bringing about the fullness of the Godhead into the heart of the church that we're beginning to operate under the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yokes. It's the anointing of the Spirit of God living in us that's able to bring healing and restoration into the heart of our nation. It's the healing and the delivering power of the Spirit of God that dwells in you that can help that man that's lonely, that's lost his ways because of a divorce, that's lost his ways because of a broken relationship. He can use you to touch a young girl that's lost her way because of sexual abuse or given up because her parents aren't living or are living ungodly lives and don't care about them. It's you that God wants to use that can be a person of light in the dark hours that are ahead of us. Amen. You're the answer. You're the answer for your family. You're the answer for your friends. You're the answer for the community. Jesus is the answer. Let's not move away from our identity. Let's not move away from the God and the fullness that the church is the answer in this world. Amen. For the broken hearts and those that have lost the way, for the people that have got so much money, yet they don't have peace in their soul. You are the answer. Amen. We are the answer. You know, don't forget who we are, our identity in him, in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As we look at that word endurance, we just read that it's to put, to put up with something trying or painful. Endure means that we're going to be unwavering in the times of trials and tribulation and persecution. A definition of spiritual endurance is to be steadfast, is to having the power or the ability to withstand hardship or stress. An inward steadfastness of one's spirit empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's just, let's just read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, be always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Be steadfast, be immovable, enduring a spirit of resilience and anointing upon your life to see chains break upon people's life. An anointing of the Holy Spirit that can operate in and out of your life with the fullness of the Spirit of God that he wants to see his church rise.
Amen. A fullness of the Godhead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit wants to rise and and release, be released in and through your life. You know, sometimes we think it's the big things. Oh, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go to Africa. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) But sometimes it's just the little things I've found in my life. (laughs) Never been to be a missionary, but hey, I'm here in my own nation. And, you know, it's the next door neighbor. It's the people that you work with. You know, and um, it's the people in your daily life, your family you know, that have lost their way and praying for them and keep on loving them and praying and seeing that God will never give up on them. Amen. Pastor Peter's talking about the lonely and you're having that guy coming, you know, compassionate, having compassion. You know, there's a group of churches here that work together to look after the homeless in the winter. There's so many things that we can be involved in, you know, but be involved in what God is asking of you to do. Praying for your pastors, just being a servant in the house. Man, all those little things really make the big things happen. Amen? And if we can do the little things, he will outwork the greater things. That's what I've always found. I just say stick into him, stick into what he's got for me. Somehow he makes the greater, bigger things happen. I've been on platforms that I'd never ever thought I'd be on, thinking how did I get there? How did I get to that nation? Hey, it's because I've been steadfast, I've been immovable, even in the difficult, dark times in my life, I've kept on because of the spirit The Spirit gives us an ability. He gives us an enabling to overcome things. I don't know. For some reason, I've got to pray for this line of young women here. (laughs) Oh, there's just a glow. I just see a glow. There's like a glow of the glory of God or the presence of God over you. Man, can I just stop and do that? I do want to finish the other two points. Is that okay, Pastor Peter? Can I have that row of young ladies come out? I'm going to call you girls, but you're the ladies. Mm-hmm.